go. And you are listening to Law and Gospel Rumination Thursday on this February the 6th in the year of our Lord 2020, which means at this same time we have with us our good friend Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. Are you keeping warm? Yes. Yeah, I went from a warm house to a warm car to a warm studio. Yeah, no problem at all. I just stayed in the house. We got four inches of snow here. Oh, boy. You know, I've got to travel up that way today, and I'm hoping they're not going to cancel the worship services, so we'll see what happens. Okay. We don't want them to harden their heart. Harden their hearts. Is that what we're going to talk about today, hardening our hearts? It was something that came up in Bible study last week. I'm listening uh, as I make these travels around to the various churches. I, I finished listening to the entire Bible, and now I'm taking uh, a read on Luther's Bondage of the Will. In fact, in reading about that, I don't know if you realize this, Luther considered there were two writings of his that were the very best. Do you know what they were? Well, one was Bondage of the Will. Yes. The Babylonian Captivity, the other one? The Small Catechism. Small Catechism. That's what he said were his best <laughs> writings. So you know the you know that bondage of the will has been translated into the uh, Chinese language. Oh no! That's uh, really yeah. Um, we we've got a group here who tra um, translates a lot of these items into various languages, and that's that's really good. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, what got us talking about bondage of the will? is Luther had a fascinating subject about what it meant that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And I've always had a problem with that. You know, when you just stop to think about it, because that doesn't seem very fair to Pharaoh that he would harden his heart. And so I was really interested, uh, how does Luther understand that? And it really was quite fascinating, and I've changed my mind on it in agreement with what uh, Luther says. But uh, it's in Exodus 7, verse 3. That's, that's where we find the text. The Lord says to Moses, uh, See, I made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people uh, of Israel go out of the land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. So why would God want to harden someone's heart? I thought he desired all men to be saved. And it almost sounds Calvinistic, what's is double predestination, that God predestines who's going to heaven, he predestines who's going to hell, and therefore those going to hell, he hardens their heart so they can't become a believer. But that really it's, isn't what it's talking about. Sorry. No, I think we need a little background back up just a second as to why Luther writes this. Go. He was 
he was writing to in, in connection to a, a philosopher by the name of Erasmus, and Erasmus uh, was kind of was very scholarly and thought to be in favor of the Reformation, or as some wrote that he kind of maybe stood on the fence there. But he believed in the free will of man that man could somehow wiggle his way back into God's uh, favor, graces, favor by doing by doing some some things. And Luther started writing, and in particular, he he picked out that Exodus passage where God hardens the heart of Pharaoh. Yes. So he said that sounds like he's taken away his free will, and Erasmus' argument was: look at all the if statements in the Bible. If you follow my word, if you obey my commandments, you will be saved. And Luther does a fascinating thing from a grammar, grammatical point of view. He says, those are kind of conditional imperatives and doesn't mean that you can do them. For example, I'll give you an example when I'm talking about my uh, son is five years old, and he wants a new bike, and we can't afford a new one for him. So I say, well, if you go to work at the Chrysler assembly plant, you'll make enough money in one week to buy your bike. <laughs> now, a little hard for him. it's impossible for him. And that was what Luther's point is, just because... God has these if statements throughout the Bible doesn't mean that God thinks you can do them. In fact, he points out that in the New Testament, the law clearly is to show our sin, SOS, show our sin. And therefore, the if statements really have this purpose. As you try to do this, you see you can't do it. And therefore, you become hopefully repentant and ask God, what is the way that I can be saved since I am unable to follow any of the if statements? It was just a fascinating way of doing that. And so in, in short there, the law is there to show our inability to keep it, not our ability to keep it. Very good. And that's why the purpose of the law is really, really important. In fact, I'm going to make the point that every time I get in the pulpit and preach the law, I'm hardening hearts. And we have to explain what that means, of course. Yeah, just how are you hardening hearts? Yes, well, let's take a look. The question that I got from the Bible study... Is there any other time that hardening hearts are mentioned in the scripture except for Pharaoh? And I found mm-hmm. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve passages. Uh, Exodus four twenty one. God promises to Moses that Pharaoh's heart will be hardened. Right. And, well, that's uh, at the very beginning uh, when he goes back to see Pharaoh. That's right. Before the ten, before the ten plagues, he's already prophesying or saying this is going to happen. Notice 
the context of Exodus 4.21. The Lord says to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Mm. Now, that sounds like God is actually working on the heart but that's not what this means at all. And that was what was so good about uh, Luther. In fact, uh, in the Bible study, there was a gentleman that he and I are friends at this church that I'm preaching at. And I asked him, are, are we friends? He said, oh, yes. I said, well, let me tell you this. And this was in front of the whole Bible study. I said, well, you know, you have a really ugly shirt on today. Your tie doesn't match it. Your shoes aren't shined. It, it, it appears you haven't shaved recently, and you really need to get some deodorant. Then I looked at him. I said, are we still friends? <laughs> and uh, he um, humbled for himself, mumbled for a moment. He said, yeah, yeah, we are. And I said, no, uh, we, we wouldn't be. And I said, that's how God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He did these miracles. In fact, John Charlemagne was one of my field workers, the son of Martin yeah. Charlemagne. And he did a sermon that was one of the best I had ever heard from a field worker. It was in, during Lent. And he went through the various curses, the plagues that Moses had put on Egypt and each one of them was against one of the gods of Egypt, uh, a frog god, etc., mm. etc. Et and that's what Luther's point is, that Pharaoh hardened his own heart because he was so angry at these miracles that Moses was doing, which actually were coming from God. And in that way, God was hardening Pharaoh's heart in the same way that when you and I preach the law properly, especially to unbelievers, their heart becomes hardened. I, I've had a couple of instances in Uber, uh, the taxi I drive, that uh, will start talking about religious items, and they'll ask, well, how's a Lutheran different? And then I'll talk about the law that we believe that nobody is ever good enough to get their way into heaven, that we're all pitiful sinners deserving hell. Well, these people don't get happy at that. They, they get angry and they set up their self-defense mechanisms and they harden their heart and they'll say something like, well, if that's the kind of God you have, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Mm. They're, they're sons or daughters of Pharaoh, huh? Uh, Luther would go on to say he keeps his eye on his own strength, his wealth, and uh, his power. And you mean Pharaoh does? That be, the Pharaoh does, yep. Yeah, he doesn't want to lose any power. And uh, therefore, well, we've seen this with the uh, attempt to impeach uh, Trump. There's such a dislike towards Trump that uh, many people think they went way beyond what they should have in trying to impeach him, and it really backfired on them. But their hearts are even more hardened now. In fact, I was uh, listening 
there was uh, something in Congress going on, and one of the persons who really hates Trump was trying to find maybe some other thing that he did that they could bring impeachment against him again. And it's just really interesting that once you get your heart hardened, the only thing that's going to bring you around is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because look at Saul. His heart was hardened. He was killing Christians until Jesus came to him on the road to Damascus. Well, that kind of leads to a question I got for you. Go. What happens to, to, to like in Paul's case, uh, in Romans, where he says, the good that I would, that I should, he said, I don't do the very evil I don't want to do, ends up being the very thing that I do. What about the sin that person that's caught into that web of sin, you know, that every day they realize that uh, they're a poor, sinful being, and you know, are they hardening their heart? Well, frankly... It's kind of like going to a doctor, and you maybe have a pain or something, and then uh, you'll uh, remember Rush Limbaugh has now just been diagnosed with lung cancer. Now, his heart didn't get hardened when he heard that bad news. Instead, with his kind of personality, he had hope maybe there's a way out of this, and he's going to be checking into some areas to see if he can be cured, etc. So... Hearing bad news doesn't always harden the heart, but it gets you into a place of wanting to find hope. And that's why, uh, the best example I can give you, Sermon on at Pentecost, Peter says, and you have killed uh, God, the Messiah. And they say, what can we do? See, their hearts aren't hardened there. they really become repentant. So the law sometimes hardens hearts, as it did in Pharaoh's case, and other times it opens up the method of repentance, as it did in the preaching of John the Baptizer. So the law was Mm -hmm. preached by John the Baptizer. Many came to repentance and believed in the Messiah, who's come to take away the sins of the world, whereas the Pharisees listening to John the Baptizer they continue to harden their hearts. Mm. Would it also be true then, too, that we would say that the life of the Christian, the Holy Spirit is working in them to to bring about that repentance? Yes, and theology is the art of making distinctions. So when somebody is really dismayed by their inability to do good works, we then talk to them about a distinction between the two kinds of obediences that God is looking for. The one kind of obedience is, of course, where we follow the will of God. And that can happen, according to Matthew 25, sheep and the goats, when the Holy Spirit motivates us properly. But on the other hand, the real righteousness that saves us is not our righteousness we do, but the righteousness that we have been declared to be through faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's where the comfort kind of comes, it appears to me. And there, therein lies the fact that the Pharaoh had neither one of those things no. going for him. No, no, no. In, in fact, um, 
I, I looked up this word hardened and found it in these dozen type of verses. And then, you know, if you ask this question, why was Pharaoh's heart hardened? I'm confident even most Lutherans will say God hardened it. But then I found 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6. And here Samuel is speaking on behalf of God to the Israelites. And here's what he says. Why should you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? After God had dealt severely with them, did they send the people away and they departed? No, Pharaoh got even more hardened. And there's a passage where God himself says, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. But the cause of that hardening was because God was doing supernatural miracles against the gods of Pharaoh. God was making it clear to Pharaoh he was going to lose his power. In fact, he lost his whole army almost uh, in the Red Sea. And his heart was hardened because of the works of God in the same way that when we preach the law, people's hearts are hardened. But they're the ones hardening their own hearts because they refuse to trust in the promises of Jesus Christ. And therein lies, too, with, with the Pharaoh, that uh, in, there was a delay in his punishment of evil, but in the final outcome where the armies destroyed and people are, are killed and things like that, that punishment did finally catch up with him. That's what Luther would indicate, that it was delayed for a while, but the delay didn't seem like... Uh, God it was overlooking the sin. Yes. Uh, the book of Hebrews, now this is New Testament. It right. also gives the opinion and the teaching, assertion, that the people harden their own hearts. Hebrews 3.8, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Remember, they didn't have enough water. They didn't have enough bread. They didn't have enough meat. Right. They hardened their own hearts, said, oh, we wish we would be back in Egypt where we had that food. Or Hebrews 3.15, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And then finally, Hebrews 4, verse 7. Again, God appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, you beat me to it. What? You beat me to it. Yeah, I got those three down, too. Yes, those are excellent. Yeah, you sent me a whole set of uh, uh, items by a, a gentleman who was talking about quotes from the bondage. And... Right. Uh, that was really good. He talked about it's both theological and methodological. 
What he meant by that, theological, was that there is no freedom of the will, and he showed that from the Bible verses. And methodological, he made a point that a lot of times Erasmus, whom he was writing against, would just make things up in order to fit his thinking. And Luther was saying, no, a theologian, when he is talking about the Bible, makes assertions, which means, thus says the Lord. Lord. And he doesn't make anything up then. It's just really quite interesting. And that has become one of the hallmarks of, of Lutheranism. And you've often said it before on KFUO that if you can't find it in the Bible, you're listening to the wrong person. What we do, we take strictly right out of the Bible. We have a Bible passage to back it up. Yes. Yeah, if I don't have a Bible passage to back up a theological conclusion, then turn the station. You're talking to a false teacher. And that's this bondage of the will still is going on today among Christians. I mean, how many people think, well, if I invite Christ into my heart as an unbeliever, (laughs) I mean, what unbeliever would ever invite Christ into their heart? He, He has to be a believer to do that, which means he's already saved, which means Christ is already in his heart. I mean, it's a waste of time to invite, to get people to invite Christ into the heart. I've often said that the way a person thinks he was converted is how he tries to get people to get converted. So if you ask him, when were you converted? When I invited Christ into my heart, you'll hear this on television and radio broadcasts. Just say this prayer and Christ will come into your heart. No, he won't if you're an unbeliever. Because you don't mean the prayer. It's just not a magical incantation. Or a lot of people think, well, I came to faith because there's so much evidence outside the Bible. And then they try Mm. and show evidence outside the Bible why you should become a Christian. Forgetting that when Jesus persuaded the two disciples on the road to Emmaus about the necessity of his death and resurrection, he only used the Word of God, the Old Testament. Thus it says in Romans, faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. That's right. Yeah, not hearing reason from man. The Bible is totally unreasonable. It doesn't make any common sense at all because a carpenter from Nazareth dies on a piece of wood And I'm going Mm -hmm. to heaven eternally? (laughs) Until you get faith, that is ridiculous. And there's no way to move someone closer to faith except by simply using the word of God. And that's what he did with Pharaoh, but Pharaoh rejected. Yes, yes, because he was using God's promises I promise that this curse is going to occur, and it did occur. Now, for a while, the magicians, for the first two or three curses, they were able to mimic them, but then they couldn't mimic them anymore, and particularly in light of the fact that they were really curses against the gods of 
Egypt, that really made Pharaoh mad. In other words, he hardened his own heart rather than be bowing to the word of God. And that's what we're finding today in the United States among many who still believe that abortion is okay or gay marriage is okay. They've hardened their hearts against God's word. And what hardened them is God coming out speaking against their immoral lifestyles, and they can't stand it. And it's always good when we go to our church on Sunday morning and we do that confession of sins and receive that absolution that our hearts are not hardened, but centered around that gospel of Jesus Christ. And remember what the absolution is. Upon this, your confession. Confession. And we don't say, I as a pastor forgive your sins. No, by the authority of Jesus Christ. We're only the voice of Jesus. Right. Right. It all comes from Jesus himself. So in one sense, if you ever come to faith, who gets the credit? Jesus. And if you ever harden your heart, who gets the blame? (laughs) We do. That's right. Well said. And it's because we cannot stand the message of Jesus Christ. It just goes against our old Adam and our self-interest. Hmm. Interesting. I, we could go on with, with this maybe next week a little bit on bondage of the will. So much there. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole section he has on Erasmus being more eloquent than he is, but he concludes that the eloquence of Erasmus is filled with nothingness. <laughs> <laughs> Men's words, not God's, huh? All right. Keep reading that, and I'll keep listening. We'll see what we come up with next week or a different subject. Thanks so much, Wes okay. Reimnitz. Yep. I'm Tom Baker. Tomorrow, Open Mic Friday. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.